Hey, everybody, welcome to the Warm Up Podcast. I'm your host, Bree Sullivan, and we are here to talk about all things inspiring and educational in the sustainability and outdoor space. So let's cozy on up to the campfire and get warmed up. Hi, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of the Warm Up Podcast. And today, you're probably going to hear me be the biggest fangirl of all time. I have been following this person for a very long time, and it is someone that I look up to immensely in my personal journey as an environmentalist, as an ad- activist, but also just getting to be more in touch with her, just seeing what she does within the community and at, on a larger scale for outdoor recreation and environmentalism. I am just so thrilled to have her here, but this is Katie Bouet. She is a Cuban-American environmental activist and advocate. She's a freelance writer, a social media expert. She's a professional adventurer and public speaker, and she's also in the works of publishing a book. So um, hopefully I'll get to have her talk a little bit about all of these things in a very small amount of time because I feel like I could talk to her forever and ever and ever. Um, But Katie, please introduce yourself. I'm just so glad to have you here. Oh my gosh, my my cheeks are hot right now. Thank you so much for all those kind words. Um, Hey everyone, my name is Katie Bouet. I am here in Salt Lake City, although not with Brie. We should have done that. We will do that next time. Um, time. Um, I'm just super stoked to dive into this today and yeah, talk and get into the nitty gritty of everything. I think we, in our pre-chat, we like already started going off the deep end and I can't wait to take everyone on that journey with us. (laughs) Yes, same. Um, I was like, okay, we should hit record because there's already a lot of really great conversation happening. And if you are just hearing about Katie, Katie is just such a locally passionate and plugged in environmentalist and advocate, but she's also just been one of the leading forces for kind of like social media influencing on getting more involved. So a lot of her kind of up and coming to this point was kind of on platforms like Instagram, um, really getting the word out there about different kind of movements and trying to inspire others. And this has been like a big shifting time in Katie's professional and personal life. So there's just been some really cool transitions happening. So I'm really excited to have her share about that journey and to where she is today. So Katie, I would love for you to just start off kind of sharing about like your upbringing. I know you were based in Miami and like grew up in Florida and like what your connection to nature was as you were growing up and and how that's influenced you today. I think growing up in Miami was one of the best things that ever happened to me. I just love where I'm from and the way I was raised so much. And in my younger years, I don't think that I would have identified as like an outdoor industry, outdoorsy person in the way that I had ended up, you know, kind of engaging with that space in my career for the last 10 years. And now I feel like I've really come full circle back to who I originally was as an outdoorist, which, you know, from childhood, my mom used to wrap earthworms around my fingers and they were like little rings. And, you know, we would go on family trips to Yosemite and to Alaska. And my parents loved traveling and loved just like forcing us outside and just making play Mm -hmm. such an integral part of our lives and like play with nature specifically. I used to make potions in the backyard, you know, you would go and like forage little things and like put them in a bowl. And I would like practice my witchcraft as a kid. And I grew up not and, and, you know, went to college and people started identifying as outdoors. And I was like, Oh, that's not really who I am um, until I started Mm -hmm. climbing. But 
now that I've like gone through all the different evolutions of what it means to be outdoorsy, I find myself settling back to that original, like Katie out in the mud, having a good time, looking around, playing with bugs. And yeah. it, it feels, I think that's like, that's where I started and that's where I was supposed to be. Mm, I love that so much. Did you feel like even growing up, did you have this awareness of like, this is something I'm really passionate about? Or is that something that, you know, like, as soon as you kind of was it in college that you got into climbing, and you're like, Oh, I think this is something that I'm really I really care about this. And I want it preserved. Like, what did that look like? I think climbing is what made me or opened up to me this idea that the outdoors could be part of my identity in a really strong mm-hmm. way. Otherwise, it was just it was always there. You know, we were always hanging out under the avocado tree or climbing the sea grape or going for family walks around the neighborhood. And that was just something that we did. And it was never fully part of who I was, or at least, you know, Mm -hmm. consciously wasn't part of who I was. And then in college, I lived in Tallahassee, went to Florida State University and got into climbing there at Tallahassee Rock Gym. And which was an indoor pursuit, right? But once you kind of really get into climbing, you start going on trips outdoors. And that's when the outdoors really became part of my identity. Like first it was climbing. I was a climber. And then through climbing, I really reconnected with being an outdoorist and just wanting to be outside all the time and like wanting that to be Mm. my personality. Like that's all I want to talk about. That's all I want to do is just being outside. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's so interesting too, like you sharing about your childhood and like, oh, we would go on walks and like we would do all this stuff and it wasn't like considered getting outside or like that being outdoorsy, which is so interesting because I think, and and maybe this is something we can segue into later too, but like when we're talking about intersectionality and like how different communities experience being outdoors and like being parts of communities and being immersed in nature, so much of it is that. It's like going to your local park. It's walking under the trees. It's enjoying picking oranges. It's not, I'm going to go summit the biggest thing or I have to drive 30 minutes to a trailhead. So it's really cool to see like that was your origin story. And now you're like coming full circle. Like that is me being outdoorsy. I am at like an, an active outdoorsy person. And this is what it looks like. So I love just kind of honing in on that for a second, because I think that's so important for people to hear that you can still be outdoorsy and you're doing things that are maybe in the city or they're not, you know, summits and peaks and climbing big climbs and stuff like that. I think that's so cool. I couldn't agree more. And for me, you know, when the pandemic started was really when I kind of went through this abrupt transition from Mm -hmm. athletic, outdoor recreation, outdoorsy to like home, backyard, neighborhood, outdoorsy. And it was a big, huge crisis for me personally and for my identity. And for a while, I really felt like I wasn't as outdoorsy anymore. And then I kind of gave Mm. myself permission to like redefine like what that actually means. And if we're just clocking literal minutes and hours outside, I am way more outdoorsy now than I was before. (laughs) You know, it's I'm outside like morning till night every single day in my backyard. And why would I ever question whether or not that's outdoorsy? You know, what what a what a critical failure, I think, of our community and our culture that we would have someone who is clearly so outdoorsy questioning whether or yeah. not they're outdoorsy. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And like how in touch you are with things too in that space. And, you know, when people take the time to even go sit in their park and they're feeling grass and they're like paying attention to the trees and they're doing all of these things, it's like that is so in tune and so intentional and beautiful. Like, why would that not be a perfect example of what the an outdoorsy person is at the core? It's someone who can appreciate and just like marvel in outdoor spaces, no matter what that looks like. Totally. So I love that. I wanted to just, yeah, focus on that for a second for anybody who's listening to be like, whatever you do outside is like amazing and, and perfect just as it is. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's outside. It's, it's sun on your face. It's your feet and hands in the dirt. It's looking at bugs. It's, you know, engaging with other people around you outside. Like whatever you're doing yeah. is beautiful and I love it. And I'm so happy for you. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this is a really great segue too into like what made you decide you wanted to work in the environmental space and like how you got into the track that you've ended up on because I feel like it's become like I mean it is so huge. Like your profile of people you've worked with and stuff is just massive and it's just so interesting of like what your what your transitioning and and ladder must have been like to get to where you are now. So what was the initial spark and like what made you want to go into this work? Did you graduate with something around environmental like degrees or what did that look like? No, I actually studied creative writing. I have a, my degree in creative okay. writing. I did take, like there, there are two kind of sub courses that I took that I think really affected the trajectory. The first was a um, travel writing workshop that I took. And it mm. just, I like decided I wanted to be Samantha Brown. I don't know if that's way too much of a throwback <laughs> to like early no. travel channel days, but I wanted to be Samantha Brown. I thought she was so cool and out there and traveling and independent. And so that really kind of sparked that like, get out there for me. And then yeah. I studied human rights for three out of the four years, FSU, and really just kind of I'll never forget like title, I guess, or, or what my professor called me, um, Professor Ruggiero. One day he was like, Katie, you're a bridge builder. That is your purpose mm. on this planet. He was like, you build bridges. You see both sides, like even when they're right or wrong, like you see them, you hold them both and you're able to bridge them. And that's something very unique and like a role that not everyone is bestowed the honor of, you know, fulfilling in this world. Yeah. And that's something that I've really carried with me through all of this, but kind of rewinding again, what sparked the environmental and kind of the stewardship itch for me was living on the road for a year in 2012. I bought a big yellow, slightly decrepit sprinter van. This was way before the era of um, vans that we have now. Like my van currently has a water heater and my van back then was literally just the clearance section at Ikea drilled into <laughs> the frame of the vehicle. There was no insulation. It was like the, our bedding was leftover rock gym padding from the gym that we worked at. It was, you know, very different. But I got to spend an entire year living on public lands and traveling across the country to climb. And after a while of essentially freeloading on public lands, you kind of start to feel this like, tug, you know, you, or at least yeah. I realized I was taking so much and benefiting so much and gaining so much. And it was giving me so much literally and spiritually to be on these public yeah. lands. And you kind of reach this point where you ask yourself like, okay, well, what are you giving back? Like, where's the give and take where, how are we balancing this out? And really realizing that people use public land, leave an impact. Um, and yeah, I just felt this sense of responsibility to give back to these places that give me so much. And that's really kind of where it all started. And after the year on 
um, the road and the van, I moved to Colorado. Um, I thought I was going to move closer to the mountains. I moved to Denver. That is false advertising. Mm -hmm. You are not that close to the mountains in Denver. But I took a job with the Outdoor Industry Association. And it was a like trial 90 day coordinator position. They wanted to see maybe if social media was something worth investing their time and energy into. And I kind of just like came in hot and I was like, it's worthwhile. It's going to be my full time (laughs) career. Let's do this. And I I think I literally said that to my boss, um, Jennifer Brunson, when she hired me, I was like, I know this is only 10 hours a week, but I just want to let you know that by the end of this 90 days, we will be transitioning this into a full time job. And I mean, I good for Katie back then. I don't know that I have the chutzpah for that kind of (laughs) (laughs) confidence anymore, but um, she was really working it and, you know, just really put everything I had into that. And through that work, discovered the idea of advocacy. They have a really incredible government affairs program over at Mm. OIA. And I learned so much under the leadership of people like Jessica Wall, um, now Jessica Turner, and Boyan and Jennifer Pringle, and so many people who taught me and showed me that you can not just feel responsible to take care of public lands, but that you can actually like get involved and engaged on a legislative, you know, federal at the White House level really kind of putting words into action in a truly inspiring way. And it it changed my life just to see what they were doing and what you can do when you really dedicate yourself to taking action on things that you care about. So I was there for, I think, about five years total. And after one year of being in-house, I really realized that like commuting was not for me. I was commuting from Denver to Boulder every day during rush hour. And that is like some real soul-sucking stuff. Yes. Yeah, not good. And kind of decided that I want to get back out on the road. I created a pitch deck where I ran through all of the things that I had accomplished in that year and kind of like really tried to sell myself. I had all sorts of pictures of me and the team having a great time and our like team spirit. And at the end of it, I presented this to my managers and I was like, so I need to leave Colorado. I'm unhappy here. I got to go. However, Mm -hmm. I have a plan. It's called the OIA Roadshow. We're going to get a vehicle. I'm going to live in it. I'm going to tour around the West to visit all of our members and host sustainability happy hours and document the outdoor industry in action where it's happening. Can I do this or not? And they were like, um, (laughs) wow, bold plan. But my boss at the time, Jennifer Brunson, is like literally the most supportive mentor and role model and manager that I've ever had in my career. And supported me through it and sent me on my way. And I think that that is really what put all of this chaos that has become my career um, into motion and just getting out there and interacting with the land and the people and the organizations that like make this whole industry and community and space. And you yeah. know, you're part of it. And people who are listening to this are part yeah. of it. Like it's just, it's electric. How do you not want to be involved? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a big part that's almost like a a fear of missing out once you are like seeing it happening. And like, I mean, I just said that case in point about the the series that you were just at. I was like, oh my gosh, they're amazing panelists and you were there. Like, it just looks so incredible. And I'm, I had this like fear of missing out. I was like, I should have been there. I'm so sad I wasn't there. And there's just a part of being not even just a part of something, but something bigger than yourself that is good, that is positive, that is going to hopefully make a long-term solution and getting more people involved. Like that is something that people should that's the energy we should be putting 
ourselves into and putting putting our time and our space and and networking for things like this. This is this is what it's all about. And I'm curious too of when you were doing this roadshow, like what are some things that maybe stood out to you about like the communities? Were there like certain topics that kept coming up or like what did you feel like was there a specific you know, need or something like that, that you kept seeing over and over again, no matter like what area you were in. Ooh, okay. And we're going to start getting a little spicy now. Yeah. So yeah, let's do it. What really stood out to me and, you know, through being involved with the outdoor industry, you start hearing these statistics about the power of the outdoor recreation economy. When it first came mm. out, it was $887 billion that are spent annually on the outdoor industry and the outdoor recreation space. Now the BEA, actually the Bureau of Economics, actually includes the outdoor sector as its own section in the GDP. We are 2.2% of the GDP last I read a few years ago. Um, that's huge. Like it's yeah. the, the size of the outdoor space is absolutely enormous. And that was always such a powerful number to me. And once I started getting on the road and getting a little bit more, I suppose, spiritual in my approach to the outdoors and the community, mm -hmm. I really started to kind of find holes in the perspective of the industry a little bit. And so what I would keep mm. finding is this fact, and I would go to these places and I would meet people and I, I would talk to brands, but I would be talking to people. And so I started really realizing that like the industry is kind of business yeah. and numbers and like selling boots yeah. and gear. What I'm really interested in and where the connections are and where the passion and like everything that makes it possible to sell the boots is in the community. Right. It's all these people who work for the brands, mm -hmm. who work for the organizations, who buy the gear. It's it's the community and the individuals. Um, and that's where I wanted to be putting my time and energy and, and my, my, you know, investing my own spirit. Yeah. And that was universal among everyone. You know, everyone felt that spirit. Like we work in the outdoor industry because we are outdoors, because we have these personal values about how much we love the outdoors, how we feel this innate sense of, um, you know, stewardship and mm -hmm. just revering these places in like a really spiritual, deep, personal way. And so I kind of just, it, it's like, it's like, man, what, I want more of that. What does that mean? How can I, how can I put more time and energy into that? Cause I think that's the good stuff, right? Yes, absolutely. I feel like, I mean, that's even with my position now, it's entirely focused on the community with our, you know, like we're a company, yes, and it is about apparel, but it is about the community 1000%. Like we don't have a company without these people who are so passionate about doing something for the planet and doing something for nature. And they care so much about, you know, even the smallest thing that they can do. And it's like, that is what's so important is feeding into and pouring into those people and pouring into the resources and like, you know, learning what they care about. What do they want to know? Like, well, how can I empower them to like make sustainable choices? Like even beyond just this one thing that we're focused on. But I feel like that's so interesting that you were just going around and doing that for so many different places and potentially like businesses and industries. And like, it's still the same, you know, we're all, we're all passionate and want to do more and like want to dig in deeper and have the opportunities to do that. Maybe not everyone knows where to start, but that's like what people want. And I'm curious too of like, so after this road show and you're saying, okay, I want to, I want to spend more time on this. I want to spend more energy on this. Like, what did that look like? Where did that go? That was, I think, the first of many uh, career mm -hmm. crises that I experienced. And and mm. part of this is because I, I've really made up 
my career and my job. There was no, and there, I think there's a little Incredible. bit more of a blueprint now, especially as kind of influencers is becoming somewhat of a legitimate job that people yeah. have and like yeah. kids aspire to kind of thing. But when I yes. started doing all the sharing myself on the internet, it was just like a really weird thing that you could start doing with social media, you could mm-hmm. you could share, mm-hmm. you could document. And I've always been a storyteller. I've always had fairly strong main character energy. So like that just felt right to me. I love documenting. I love writing. I love taking photos. So like social media made sense there. But yeah, it also, <laughs> I loved it, the deep breath before social media. Before we get to all that yes. darkness, it, I realized that yes. I was at this like nexus, this kind of crossroads moment of either investing all of my time and energy into the industry and helping the industry grow or from admittedly a place of ego a little bit. I realized I could take that time and energy and invest in my own business and my own mm-hmm. brand and you know myself as whatever this message is that I wanted to get out there. And I could really start putting energy into that because at this time, this was like 2016, social media kind of influencer, personal brand world was starting to be a viable option for making money and building a career. So I decided to lean all the way into that for better or worse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was really fun and fast and it turns out that there were a lot of other people who were also discovering this as a pathway in the outdoor space in particular. And there was just so much energy around that and around having these conversations and using social media as a space for growing the community and growing the culture and the industry. And I was just, I mean, fully drinking the Kool-Aid. It was a blast. It was a really good yeah. time. <laughs> Can you give people an example of like some of maybe like the campaigns or like some of the things that you were do- doing during that time? time because I feel like it was very up and coming, but you were very much like calling people to action and like doing things like, hey, this is where you would go to sign a petition or like all of this stuff. So if we're looking at climate change and environmental issues, there are so many and it is so hard to, you know, like if I would never be able to focus on every single one of them or you're going to burn out and it's not, it's not healthy to like try to save all the things at once. Like we really do have to kind of like pick and choose, like this is where I'm going to put my energy. So what was that for you? So this is not the answer you were seeking. The answer is that I was trying to do trying to do all the things. All of the things. All of the things. And yeah. really trying to kind of continue the level of work that I had been engaging with with OIA, which is really big mm. federal national level, like affecting everyone, these huge bucket ideas. Like like literally I yeah. I was in the pursuit of fixing climate change. Like girl, what? Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, so much to have on your shoulders. And like what 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 um what audacity, such ego to think like you can no, honey, absolutely not. And so I went through it was I would say like four years, um, really two kind of full on years of trying to be the voice of all Mm. of these issues. You know, I had kind of discovered that it was like this, like with great power comes great responsibility. And at first I saw the great power and really leaned into that because I had an audience on social media. I could bring up issues. I could, you know, talk about things that people never heard about before and like spark a conversation. I could change people's minds. I have like receipts from registering dozens and dozens and dozens of people to vote for the first time because they saw my Instagram story. And like, that was cool and really powerful. But the mistake that I made was trying to do it all on this huge scale. I was trying to like... Mm -hmm be the personal 
REI of all the issues. Like I'm across the whole nation. Shops yeah. are open everywhere, but it's just me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm trying to operate on the opt outside level of campaigns, but yeah. it's just me. And so I think, and I know you want to ask this, but I'm just going to dive right into it. I think that that propelled me very quickly into a space of just burnout. Absolute yeah. burnout. I was toast because I tried to do it all and fix it all. And I, I tried to think that I was capable of putting my energy and spirit into all of these different things. So it was like, you know, what's the, the phrase a mile wide and inch deep? Yeah. So I was talking about all this stuff, but like, what kind of impact was I really having? Right. Yeah. And I think in, so I ended up really burning myself out on all of that and had to have some real serious conversations with myself and my therapist about, you know, (laughs) how I had gotten here, what my intentions really were, how I wanted to move forward, where I was contributing to my community versus where I was just feeding my own ego and like Mm -hmm. how to deal with all of that. So out of that, so was this during the time too? So in 20, 2019 is where Outdoor Advocacy Project came from. Was that during this time too? Or was this kind of like a, okay, I'm going to shift here. I'm going to pivot and I'm going to put my energy into this. And then like that can be the space holder for all of my initiatives and like wanting to move this forward. Like where did that fit in? Outdoor Advocacy Project was launched in December of 2019. And I think that that was really the height, me trying to do it all, all at the same time. And I will forever love the spirit that Outdoor Advocacy Project was born out of. Um, There was so much collaboration and friendship. My best friend, Amelia, and I, like, we became soul sisters through launching Outdoor Advocacy Project together. And immediately after launching it, we hosted the climate rally at Outdoor Retailer, where we had about 500 people come out and march through the streets of downtown Denver to the Capitol and held a rally there. And that was big and powerful. And then immediately after that, when the pandemic started, I think everything came to such a crashing halt. And it really provided this like abrupt slap in the face with a mirror. Yeah. And I think what I ultimately realized is that Outdoor Advocacy Project is like the vessel for my work spirit and the work that I want to do. And we've since in the last few years, really pivoted what Outdoor Advocacy Project looks like. Um, We haven't posted on social media in well over a year. We haven't put out much of anything under the name Outdoor Advocacy Project, um, but we're doing more work than we ever have before. We really kind of pivoted everything away from being like about me or about us, about ourselves. And putting it into something like bigger and better. Um, The initiative that we've been spending all of our time and energy on is the Recreate Responsibly Coalition, which I am super honored to have been part of founding during the pandemic. It was born out of this need for collective communication around navigating and accessing the outdoors. Yeah, we all remember that was a weird time. And so putting work into something that is not about me has been like the most powerful transformation in my work. Mm -hmm. I think my therapist refers to this as ego death and really just realizing Mm. like, it's not about me. I don't really matter in this. Like mother nature is going to keep chugging along as she needs to, when she needs to. And like, I just need to get out of the way and let her do her thing and not make it about me. And that's been so magical and also kind of lonely because I I feel like I'm going through this whole revolution of how I approach the outdoor space and the outdoor industry and our community and culture. And sometimes I'm like, 
am I just out here on like wacky island by myself thinking all these (laughs) things about how we should all just be like hanging out in our gardens (laughs) together but it's cool no I feel like that's such an important message too like I've had a few conversations where it's been that very sentiment too of just like we are not a part of the system that that mother nature is going to have. She's going to go and it's going to happen regardless of whether we're advocating or not. Like obviously we are the reason that a lot of this escalation is occurring. I feel like there is a sentiment that is happening where it's just like, no, like, you know, we can advocate and, and, you know, try to do the best that we can by nature, by the earth and like taking care to preserve and conserve. But like we maybe need to, I don't know, like, take less of it about this is about me and how I'm going to do this thing because I feel like I can do that too or just be like you know you need to be just like me and it's like well we could all be doing things in our own ways to you know take less from the planet but maybe that looks a little more like us not being involved as much I don't know it's kind of a weird balance of wanting to give back and do good and like be this advocate and like do all the right things And then also being like, well, would this be more beneficial if I just like wasn't doing anything at all? (laughs) Like just was, you know, going to the grocery store with my reusable bags. And I just that's that's what I do. I'm just living and doing the best I can without doing anything else. I'm curious of like, because I feel like we're getting into the conversation around like, you know, like your transition kind of away from like social media and stuff. And I'm like curious of where you stand with that. Like, wh- how does that feel to you? What What do you think as the, like someone who has been this a very large advocate and activist and then just being like, okay, so what does this look like if I'm not in that role anymore or like doing as much as I was doing? Yeah. And even the way that we just discussed that idea of like getting out of mother nature's way and like not doing something sometimes I hear both of us doing this like okay how do I say this without saying it because we're not dear reader we are not telling you to just like give up your advocacy and not do anything anymore and choose complacency like that's that's not the message (laughs) yeah but it's yeah it's and I love how juicy and complicated this is now right because and I I think it's part of like getting off social media has allowed me the space to get a little juicy and complicated because it is and so before I answer your question I want to bring up two things that I learned at that um, balancing the biome symposium Yes, that we kind of briefly mentioned where we discussed the rights of nature. And the first idea is something that one of my co-panelists, Isaiah Hernandez, um, queer brown vegan, go follow him, said was so incredible, was we don't need, and this is all talking about the Great Salt Lake specifically, but like this idea that mother nature doesn't need us to protect her. She needs us to respect her. And I was like, Mm -hmm. ooh, I love that. And it, for me, brought up this idea because we we keep using this language of save the Great Salt Lake. And it's this idea that yeah. like the Great Salt Lake needs saving. However, it does not need a savior. And I think that mm-hmm. that's like, that's the, the line that I'm figuring out how we balance that, how we kind of live that and how we start like talking about that so that we can shift our perspectives in the outdoor culture. Because I think we have a lot of like saviorism yeah in trying yeah. to do good it's like we're almost like trying too hard it's like a little desperate <laughs> mm-hmm. chill out mm. <laughs> <laughs> but for me this all really culminated with so um actually exactly one year ago right now I was going through a lot with just burnout from work 
And then being someone who is like very visible on social media was on the receiving end of some really nasty cyber stalking and harassment and kind of just realized like this wasn't worth it anymore. And, Mm -hmm. And it was like a very, um, kind of like desperate, uh, selfishness almost. It was like, like survival mode. My body was like, girl, you can't engage in this. this. Yeah. We can't do this. All this political stuff you're engaging in is like turning into a a pile of ash. And then all of this like personal stuff that you're enduring for the sake of being on social media as a career making income, whatever that's also burning you out. Like none of this Mm -hmm. is good. So I decided to just turn off Instagram for a little while and just kind of check out. And I really realized it was the first time in 10 years that I hadn't been documenting my life and my adventures Mm -hmm. on social media. And that's a long time to be like visible on the internet. Yeah. And so I took eight months off. I serendipitously was approached by a book publisher during that hiatus. And it was such a strong moment of like, oh boy, what do I stand for? What do I mean? What what do I care mm-hmm. about? When you decide to log off, and I was like, well, I'm done with this. I at that point, I was like, I'm just done with this. I don't know what I'm gonna so what do. What am I really passionate about? If no one's looking, yeah. And then to have a book yeah. publisher be like, we yeah. want you to write a book about this too. And I was like, oh, Ugh. I don't know who I am, what I am, what I care about, how I can be a helpful person. And so it was a very weird time for me, but through the process of writing this book and like forcing myself to go back through my my personal history and my trajectory yeah. and my career path and like how I got where I was like even though where I had ended up was a very bad place you know going back and seeing how I got there reminded me of who I am what I care about mm-hmm. how I can make an impact and so I think I logged back on it was June of this summer I kind of logged back on and was like okay hey, let's yeah try this. But I think taking time offline is something that I cannot recommend enough to anyone. Like it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if you are an influencer, a public figure, or if you're just, you know, someone who uses Instagram like personally, but feels kind of like weird pressure and doesn't love being on there right now. Like log off. You have permission to do so. The world will keep going on without you. Something I really had to reckon with was that like my voice. And by that, I really mean like my Instagram stories which yeah, let's, yeah, let's yeah. be honest, we're being radically honest here. My Instagram stories, we're not going to change anything. Me not posting about XYZ world crisis going on wasn't actually going to change anything because me posting about those things didn't really do that much to begin with. And I think mm-hmm. that when we give ourselves permission to log off the internet and to stop participating on social media for a little while, there's a certain amount of clarity that I wish upon us all about the fact that social media is performative, like point blank, period. Everything you post on social media is like a performance. It's a performance of your values, of your personality, of who you are. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like it's like an art performance, right? All art, all words, all books, it's all a performance. And I think that we have to like remove the weird stigmas from that and just understand it for what it is. Like when you post online, you are performing and that's fine. If we examine like why we are performing for whom, what the impact of this performance is going to have. I don't know. I got a lot of questions, not a lot of answers yet. Yeah, Yeah, it's so true too. Like I'm even thinking, 
you know, and I'm sure you're the same, you're so involved in like your local community and like things happening and like legislation and all this stuff. And like, I have been so involved in like, you know, writing letters to senators, writing to government officials, like doing all this stuff, donating, whatever. And it's like, I have to, I feel a pressure to almost like, I have to post about it or it's not real. Or like, I'm not doing those things. It's not good enough that I'm just doing the things I have to like show that I'm doing the things or like, I'm not aligned with this vision that people have of like who I am as a person on social media or something, which is so silly. That's so crazy. Like I'm doing the right things, but I don't, I feel like you have to, you have to show it or people are like, well, that's not really who she is. Yes. That's that sticky ego, baby. Oof. Yeah. And it's for me, I mean, my, my whole career had been performed. You know, I showed like the behind the scenes of the road show. I showed the behind the scenes of like making campaigns and, uh, you know, being at events. All of it was all recorded and performed and put out there. Like my advocacy was nothing but receipts. You know what I mean? Like we had the receipts for literally everything. And so to turn that off was a real question to self of like, so do you mean it or not? Are you here for the right reasons or not? And then, you know, for me to read threads about myself on the internet where people were like, oh, she logged off. She's a piece of crap. She's not doing anything. She was never a real advocate. Meanwhile, it's like, I'm like, but I know that I am doing more. And you're doing like so much. Yeah. I'm like actually doing real work now. And like the, yeah that kind of internal struggle of like, I'll just post about it and they can really see it. But it's like, no, actually you're not going to post about it. And that's it. Like actual advocacy happens offline. Actual real advocacy happens off social media. Social media is a beautiful and fun tool for proliferating information, for creating accessibility and connectivity, for sparking joy, Mm -hmm. for just like quick introductions to information and issues. But like social media is not where the advocacy happens. And I think that I really participated and I'm complicit in creating that culture where like we kind of like bastardize it. You know, like we were like, oh, Mm -hmm. this is what advocacy looks like. This is what activism looks like is the social media performance. And like, it is not. Well, and I feel like there's probably a struggle there too, right? You have this large platform, you have a huge following and initially like I could reach so many people. I I can put this out there and so many people are going to see it. And like, this is where I'm going to be able to like get people inspired to do more or like get involved or do all this stuff. But in reality, that may not be the case. Or it's like that energy could be more fruitful in other places besides there. Yeah. And I think, you know, there, it has a time and it has a place for sure. I think of um, two summers ago, Outdoor Advocacy Project did a campaign trying to stop an oil and gas lease sale in the Moab area. Mm. And we were Mm -hmm. able to generate over 35,000 signatures on a petition through social media. And like, I certainly can't discount that. That's, that's cool. That's powerful. Um, And they ended up canceling the lease sale. And so it's, you know, I, I think it has a time and a place. And I, I, social media will continue to be my career. So I certainly can't yeah. say that it's it's useless or bad. And I don't think that it's either of those things. But I do think that like, in order for us to unlock the full potential of social media, and also to unlock the full potential of our advocacy in real life, we have to have that like brutal reckoning of like, oh, yeah. so posting on social media does not fix the issue. <laughs> 
Yes. Yeah, that's so true. And I'm curious too, like, since we're kind of talking about you being approached for a book, if you want to talk a little bit about that, if you, you can share as much or as little as you want, but just to have like a space to share when the book is coming out and everything like that, I am anxiously awaiting, but I want everyone else to be able to know like what you're touching on in it and, you know, when to look for it. I'm so excited. So (laughs) the book is coming out in spring 2023 with Fulcrum Publishing. And it's really about, it's called On Advocacy, Protecting the Planet While Preserving Our Humanity. And it really is about so much of what we've been talking about. And like the only thing that I'm willing to talk about with anyone these days, which is balancing this idea of we are creatures of the digital era. We are, you know, addicted to our smartphones for better or worse. Mm -hmm. We are on social media. And I do believe that we have a responsibility to use social media and use our digital influence to do good and to advocate for protecting the planet and to, you know, be good stewards and show and tell that and and be involved in all those spaces, right? And at the same time, I think we have a deep responsibility to ourselves and to our neighbors around us to like yield that power, wield that power with great responsibility. Like we can't, we can't let our activism get in the way of our community and relationship to each other. That's something that I've really seen come out of social media in the last few years and, and advocacy and activism on social media is this weird lateral, it's lateral violence is what it is. Like Mm. community on community and social media becoming this kind of nasty space where we forget that like advocacy and community are all built upon relationship and trust and like love, you know, not to get too woo woo, but like, that's what it is. A successful advocacy community is one that is built upon respect, reciprocity, and like love. And we have to make sure that we're keeping those two things together and balanced in order to have an effective movement and to make a real impact on these issues that, you know, Mm. we want to tackle. Mm. I cannot wait to read it. I'm so excited for it to come out. And for anyone who has or has not read any of Katie's writing, it's just so poetic and powerful and you write in a very moving way. So um, your storytelling and your history of going to school for creative writing, it all makes so much sense. And it's going to be beautifully told. I am very confident. So (laughs) yes, everyone be on the lookout for her book because it's going to be very moving, I think, and very eye-opening too for anybody who is passionate about this and like in this space, but doesn't necessarily know how to navigate, you know, being being a part of the movement and like creating change, but also inspiring people to get involved and things like that. I feel like there's so many different levels to, to being a part of this and knowing how to do it in a way that's actually going to be effective and and move things forward instead of just like being a circle, right? Like I'm going to post this and then I'm just going to post again in three weeks. And then, you know, it's just like this cycle and like nothing actually happens. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that that's amazing. And I'm so excited for you to be writing a book on this topic because I feel like more people need to reflect on it. Like even me, I'm just like, man, this is such a good conversation for myself too. Yeah. And the book itself is, it's part of a speaker series that they're doing. So um, it's a lot of first time authors and people who have written essays on different topics. um, And it's really just kind of like taking these ideas that people have already put out there and expanding them out. So I'm very excited, um, A, for the fact that I had to write this book and B, as someone who would actually consume this book, it's only uh, like 120 pages or so, I think. It's a shorter book 
Mm-hmm. And I, I love that about it because I can't, I'm like bad at reading. I used to read <laughs> books and books a day. I used to get in trouble as a kid. Like I would get scolded for reading too much. And now I, yeah. it takes me forever to get through a book. So I wanted to create something that was approachable and accessible and like stick it in your pocket, carry it around, yeah. read it. And we're also working on an accompanying workbook, which will probably come out, I think, Ooh, a little bit later than the book at this point, because I'm really getting into it with this workbook. Yeah. <laughs> because it's, I want this to be something that people can engage with and, and make their yeah. own and like actually do something with. That's I'm so hung up on this idea of like tangible advocacy and doing things yeah. with our hands now. And I just want that for everybody. Yeah, I love that so much. Well, I'm going to be getting the work- workbook too. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. And I wanted to like, we're going to be wrapping up in a little bit. And I feel like I want to end this on this note of like, yeah, this transition period that you're in and talking a little bit more about, yeah, like your time kind of shifting back into utilizing social media and what that is like to be, you know, more focused on like, yeah, here's my garden and here's these amazing like praying mantis that I found and here are all my different tomatoes and here's spaghetti eating tomatoes in my yard. And like, it's so pure and wonderful. And like, I feel like I go to your social media and it's like this warm place that I get to go and like just see beautiful things out in nature, but it's not like being shoved down my throat, I guess. So I'm curious of like what it, what it's like kind of transitioning back into social media. And like, I'm sure that your projects and things that you've taken on have shifted as well from, you know, taking your break to now too. So what does that look like now? It really started with big shift in the like in real life way that I approach advocacy as well. When I logged offline, I kind of gave myself permission to take a little break from the outdoor recreation bucket and kind of like that silo Mm -hmm. and ask myself like what, what I wanted to be doing with my time, what activities are actually bringing me joy and what I like doing. And it brought me so local, like Mm-hmm. And it surprises me. I've been living here for so long that suddenly I'm like aware of my neighbors. You know, I've been focused so much yeah. on these federal issues and this like nationwide community that I hadn't invested enough in the people around me. So I got really involved with homesteading and um, gardening here. Um, my partner and I moved to a little half acre in Salt Lake City where I spend most of my time. Mm-hmm. Do not leave this property if I don't have to, but... <laughs> I started paying attention to what's around me more and realizing like there's so much that I can do right in front of me. And especially as I start thinking about advocacy and and this idea of wanting to do things with my hands, like I can touch the things that are around me. What better way to get my hands dirty than to literally reach right around me and get involved in that. And in terms of coming back on social media, it's been a fairly natural, if not somewhat awkward and, and clumsy return to just posting what feels good and really understanding and breaking up with the egotistical idea that I'm an activist on Instagram. Like, no, Instagram is not where my activism lives. That's never Mm -hmm. what I really wanted. It may have been a little distracting and it, it may have been kind of shiny. And I thought that was what it was, but that's not what it is. Instagram is a cool place to connect with people, to inspire people, to share like building blocks, 101 level information Mm -hmm. about things and giving myself real, true, no shame permission to engage with the platform in that way has been 
revolutionary. I feel good now. Yeah. I don't open up Instagram and like cringe about what I'm going to be Dread faced with. Thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> and I've curated my feed that way as well. And I can't recommend that enough to people like don't follow accounts. Don't participate in advocacy on social media that makes you feel bad and shamey. Mm. Like what a weird thing we got into. Yeah. Why do we do That's that? So true. That's so true. And just, yeah, like being like, oh, I know if someone, if this person's posting, it's just going to make me feel like I'm a piece of shit and I'm doing everything wrong. <laughs> like, it's so true. Yeah. And like this idea that part of our advocacy is the suffering through that, like that's making yeah. us better people or that's somehow contributing to our advocacy that we're making ourselves feel bad. Like, no, dude, what a selfish waste of your time. Mm hmm. Why don't you take that time and energy and like grow a tomato instead and feed your neighbor? Literally, that would be so much more productive. Yes. Yes. I love that. I hope everyone just like rewinds this and watches it a couple of times. Just this piece right here. It's so good and valuable. Like, yes, we should be on there to feel joy and to feel inspired and like, yeah, consuming content or like people's words and messages that honestly uplift us and then inspire us to do more. Like I was telling you before we started recording, like my boyfriend is like such a green thumb. He loves to like grow things and brew things. And he's just like a little scientist. And we go to your Instagram and just like drool over your garden. And now we're inspired. And we're like, man, we need to like do more of this. We need to grow even more. We need to like do all of this here because we can and it's so easy to just like sustain and care for ourselves here and get involved in like the farmers markets and everything that's here so yeah that's a space that we go and we're like oh we're just so inspired now we want to go do this so I love that this transition period has been very authentic and like um, healing in that way of like utilizing and interacting with social media because I, I feel like from an outsider's perspective I can see that and it shows like with how like what you show and how you're on there it just seems very light and like oh this is just me and this is how how it's gonna be and I feel good here so I love it oh, I love to hear that and and I think too it's you know we're not we're not trying to say like toxic positivity all not like forget everything else besides the growing the tomatoes but it's like, yeah. be honest with yourself. When you consume tragedy and suffering and all the horrible things enough already, like you're, you're paying yeah. attention to Aria, to NPR. You're, you're going out and participating in these protests. You're engaging in these issues on a real yeah. level, like experiencing this through your lived experiences. There's so much pain and suffering and like the bad stuff is still there. We see that yeah. we recognize it. We are just choosing not to handle that on Instagram. We're handling it in real life with our hands with our neighbors, yeah. with people that we can trust to like do the work with us, not strangers on the internet, because mad respect to all the strangers on the internet that I have great community with, but like, they're just strangers on the internet. We have to yeah. engage and connect and invest in our neighbors and our, and our communities around us. And I think that the, you know, the gardening is my like secret gateway, you know, sneaking in the vegetables with the macaroni for people to kind of get people to start shifting their perspective on how we engage yeah. with the outdoors, how we engage with advocacy, what that looks like, what that feels like. Because I think that over the last few years, we've gotten this weird cultural thing where like advocacy should be suffering. Mm. And I just don't disagree with that. I think the issues that we're tackling come with so much suffering and pain on their own. Like we don't need to bring any more of that to the table. We need to show up with solutions yeah. and energy to support the suffering and to ease the suffering that's already going on. We don't need to come mm. boohooing with our own Instagram fabricated problems, you know? Yeah. 
yeah, man, such good. Like, yeah, I have so many things. I'm like, I'm just going to sit and reflect (laughs) on this after we're done here because it's such a good conversation. This is so good. I hope that I just want every person to listen to this because I feel like there's just so many nuggets of just like not only truth, but just like, oh, yeah, like I feel that. And now you're putting words to this and like, this is so good. And I wanted to like segue into this as kind of like a final thought of like, you know, as someone who if there are people who are wanting to be advocates, wanting to get more involved, like what are your suggestions for someone who's kind of just starting out or like, I feel a little lost and maybe I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. Like, what is that advice? My advice is to slow down and look around. Mm. I think that there is no matter where you are, where you live, there are so many issues to engage with within arm's reach. If you just like look around and those are the issues where you can really have a tangible impact. You know, if if we set out with this idea that we're going to solve climate change, like what does that mean? What does that look like? That's too much. That's like when I put finish your taxes at the top of my to-do list, like, no, that's way (laughs) too big of a task for just a little check mark. We need to drill down. So, so look around you, take a walk, notice like what's going on, what you care about, what is inspiring you and lean into that. I think checking out local organizations that already exist that are doing work in your town, in your neighborhood are really great places to start. Get to know your city council members. I spent a lot of time trying to lobby and get to know my senators and my representatives, and especially as someone living in Utah, that was yeah. in reflection, a bit of wasted effort sometimes. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. Mitt Romney, for nothing. But... <laughs> I've learned at this event that I was just at, we looked up our city council members and Salt Lake City just went through this whole redistricting. So everything changed for us. And I learned that my two city council members are both Democrats. And amazing. Yeah, incredible. In Salt Lake City, in Utah, we love to see it. And so I sent them postcards. And as part of this, we did like a postcard writing workshop for Saving the Great Salt Lake. And I just sent them two postcards that I didn't have anything specific to demand. I just said, hey, this is just a constituent. I'm just writing to you to let you know that I think that the Great Salt Lake should really be a priority for you in the upcoming legislative session. I appreciate your advocacy that you do on this issue and look forward to engaging you in January when things get rolling. Love you forever, Katie Bouet. And so it's just like, look around it and don't feel this pressure to go big. Like start small. And give yourself permission to smart start small and give yourself permission to not do everything all the time. Like do what you really yeah. have capacity for and follow your curiosity. I think we need more curiosity and imagination in the advocacy space. So do it. Yeah. Love it. I love this so much. Oh, man, I'm like gushing over this. My last two questions to kind of wrap up our time, even though I would just want to talk to you forever. <laughs> but my first for you is where can people find you online? And if you want to plug pre-sales for your book, too, if you know when that's going to be. We don't have pre-sales yet. They will be coming out soon. And I will post them probably at an obnoxious amount on uh, my Instagram, my Twitter. You can find me across all platforms at Katie Bouet. That's Katie. And then my last name is Bouet, B-O-U-E. I am most active on Twitter and Instagram. I think people are sleeping on Twitter. If you want to come chat yeah. with me on Twitter about advocacy. There's a lot happening over there. It's a good platform. We need more people on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we will also have all of your links in the show notes. So if anybody wants to just click through to any of her platforms there, you will be able to find her there. And then my last question for you is what does keeping nature wild mean to you? 
I love this. Keeping nature wild to me right now means making myself and the environment around me part of the broader ecosystem. This Mm. woman that I follow on Instagram, her handles gather and grow. She talks about rewilding her yard. And Mm. like this morning, she literally went for a walk in the foothills to gain inspiration for rewilding her own yard. So she's going out and she was looking at what plants are pollinators attracted to right now, what really seems to be thriving in this natural environment and taking that inspiration Mm. to her own backyard. So, so that's the lens that I'm really looking at keeping nature wild through right now is like keeping ourselves and the environment around us wild and and rewilding and connecting back to nature in those ways because nature is pretty cool on its own and like we don't need to mess with it we just need to enjoy it and respect it yes 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 oh man I I feel so filled up after this conversation and I wish that I have like many hours to just sit here like okay I'm blocking off my whole work day I'm just gonna talk to Katie I hope you guys don't mind but thank you so much for sharing time with me and I feel like if anyone listening to this after is like me they're just gonna be so inspired and just challenged to reflect on things too, think about their own interactions and and how we are utilizing social media but then also just to think about you know yeah how can I dig in more locally like what does that look like for me and if I wasn't online what would I be doing? These are such great questions and conversations. So thank you so much for not only the time, but just like being so real and yeah, having these very deep and authentic conversations. So I am so appreciative. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, yeah, I'm also, I'm about to rock it into like another dimension energetically right now. I'm just like filled up and exploding. And I hope that people who are listening to this are are feeling a little bit of that too. I think like this is the good stuff we need. We've all been feeling a lot of bad stuff for a very long time. And I think we need to start injecting the good stuff in again. That's right. That's so right. Yeah. Whenever people hear this, I feel like they're just going to be yeah, beaming. Like you just feel good. And you're like, okay, I have the opportunity to like go do good things now. Yeah. And we need more conversations like this, more interactions like this, more local connections like this. So thank you for inspiring so many people and sharing your story and just, yeah, challenging us all to think and and feel and just be outside in in different ways. Thank you so much. Yeah, my face hurts from smiling so hard. (laughs) I do. Nobody can see mine because my internet wasn't working very well, but I am also feeling the same. But it's okay. I think yes. my my uh, chubby cheeks and this also this hair wisp really just did the work <laughs> for both of us for the entire. Um, if you are just listening to this, I highly recommend checking out the YouTube for no other purpose than to look at my wispy hairs. <laughs> You're so wonderful. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I'm going to be in contact with you soon just to connect more. So (laughs) in person. Yes, yes. (laughs) But thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining for another episode of the warm up. Please make sure to like and subscribe and download our episodes wherever you listen. Check us out on Instagram at keep nature wild. And our website is keepnaturewild.com. Can't wait to talk to you again. Talk soon.